welcome to another episode of Preppers and Makers. Last week, because of unforeseen uh, circumstances and life kind of getting in the way, we did not have an episode. So we're going to be doing a bonus episode or two to make up for that, because you deserve the content that you came here to hear. So this this week, our theme is Dead Gummit Jim. I'm a doctor, not a survivalist. Yeah, I. Trying not to curse. That was a, a Star Trek Damn It Jim reference. So I guess it's not actually cursing when you're quoting Dr. McCoy from Star Trek. The old series had some fun stuff. But I digress. What we are going to talk about today is general health and first aid in a prepping situation. So uh, prepper means being prepared. So we're not going to worry about what do you do right now if you have a broken leg. What we're talking about today is how you prepare for the future events where you have a broken leg, a laceration, uh, maybe you ate something that's not good for you. Uh, a variety of things can happen in a situation where it's hit the fan. And the basic first aid kit that we mentioned earlier is a first line of defense. And at home, you should have a much more comprehensive medical kit and possibly even in your car. So today we're going to talk about that subject a little bit, and I'm glad that you came here today. So take some notes. There's going to be a lot of uh, list-type items and that sort of stuff that we talk about, and you can always rewind and play this back later. First things first, in our discussion of EDC, we talked about a pocket first aid kit or an individual first aid kit or an IFA, uh, IFAK. That's something that everybody should have all the time with them that takes care of little boo-boos and things where you don't need to go run to a uh, company first aid kit or something of that nature if you get a paper cut at the office. Uh, from paper cuts all the way up to uh, headaches and burns and that sort of stuff can be dealt with with a little pocket kit that includes some bandages, some individual care items that you might need, even something just as simple as a small kit with some safety pins, a knife, tweezers, scissors, Q-tips, and bandages in it, maybe some gauze and some tape, uh, possibly a needle for extracting splinters and that sort of stuff. That could be invaluable in your day and take care of things and deal with your comfort level and your preparedness where if you're distracted by something going on like a, a bleeding arm or something of that nature, you're not going to be really on top of your game to deal with larger emergencies as they come to you. Overall, the individual first aid kit is about dealing with that first little line of boo-boos. You should have something slightly bigger for individual trauma, and the individual first aid kit kind of blurs the line with some folks depending on what they can carry. If you were to air, carry what's called a blowout kit in uh, some military circles, a compression bandage with some uh, blood clotting agent, that, that sort of stuff, that gets a little bit bigger than just your little pocket kit. Uh, not much, really, but still worthwhile to carry close to you, maybe in your car. Your car first aid kit can definitely be bigger. I'm not recommending an entire EMT's box in your car for everybody. I'm not going to say I'm not going to recommend it for some of us. Because your job is to be prepared to help yourself and to help others. So that would be an important thing to be able to do. So let's talk about the basic first aid kit first of all. 
And for my survival technicians out there, you'll realize that I'm kind of violating my basic tenet of always going for knowledge and skills first. That way I'm going to kind of hook those gadget people with some of this stuff as we go along. So the individual first aid kit, what you should carry with you and the amount of things in that might be uh, uh, fluid based on whether they're just one of you, a couple of you, or, you know, you have a huge family that's always together. And I believe that everybody in the family should have their own individual first aid kit. But let's talk about this as kind of the uh, uh, car kit level or the basic on-the-shelf first aid kit. So we're talking about uh, a small backpack or maybe a, a, something the size of a lunchbox. Okay. So this is going to be something you would keep in your car if you go to it at work um, and your individual first aid kit didn't have the things in it that you uh, needed at the moment. So first of all, you need to find out what pain medication works for you and have a couple of differences. Uh, there's the common things, aspirin, acetaminophen, ibuprofen, naproxen sodium. And you should educate yourself on what each of them does. Uh, aspirin is also a blood thinner, so you wouldn't want to give a great deal of aspirin to someone who has a bleeding wound. Of course, the bleeding wound would be the first thing you should deal with before that. Uh, ibuprofen is designed to deal with inflammation and things of that nature. Uh, it's not an immediate painkiller as such. It, it, it helps m mitigate the mechanism of pain. So, find out what each of them is for and put the appropriate amount in your on-the-shelf kit. That's kind of what I'm going to be calling it here because on-the-shelf kit can also be a car kit, but that's what we're talking about is those two. Now, if you're at work and it's a, a family a visiting day and somebody brings in some casserole, maybe it's been in the car traveling and that sort of stuff, they got stuck in traffic, it's a little bit warm, you might get a little bit of a stomach ache from that potato salad if it's been out and warm. Uh, and that's a best case scenario. In a worst case scenario, maybe it's hit the fan, the water is down and contaminated, and you did not realize things were this bad, and you have some issues. Uh, diarrhea is going to distract you just as much as a bleeding wound in a lot of cases. So in your kit, you should also have an antidiarrheal, like Imodium or something like that. There's a generic equivalent. And I can't think right now off the top of my head of what that chemistry is, but something along that line. Also, a lot of you are allergic to things. So antihistamines like Benadryl, uh, that's the most common thing to carry, would help out in the event. I mean, even in the event of those people who are allergic to bees and bee stings, it's not the ideal thing to be using. You need to be carrying an EpiPen or whatever you've got for that. But the... Uh, uh, the Benadryl is going to help with allergic reactions to a variety of things, whether they be food or contact or uh, insect, things of that nature. So, and antihistamine is also a really handy thing uh, for dealing with uh, allergies that go through the, you know, and you're not going to leave these things in this kit for years. So don't think of it as just this golden box that you only event, only break glass in emergency. You may get stuff out of here on a daily basis. If you have seasonal allergies, you use these medications so that they don't expire in the box and put fresh ones in. So 
think of it in these terms. It's not just the, that this is an emergency box. This is kind of an everyday supply box, too. Um, itching uh, from contact rashes to uh, reactions to things can also be dealt with with hydrocortisone cream. Uh, the Benadryl's handy for a histamine reaction, but hydrocortisone might directly help a skin reaction, just like maybe calamine lotion if you have to deal with poison ivies and oaks and that sort of stuff. Aloe vera gel is another thing that's really soothing to the skin. It will help out in sunburns. And yeah, in, in a prepping situation, you should be prepared for everything. So it's not like an apocalyptic uh, end of day's event to have a sunburn. We've, we've had them. But if you don't have anything for it, it gets pretty distracting and lets you not deal with daily life. Charcoal tablets are good to have around because there's no substitute for them really but it's not something you just choose to use yourself you want to use some education here to decide when to use charcoal tablets activated charcoal is used to uh, deal with with poisoning and food food poisoning a variety of chemistry chemistry related poisons chemical poisonings the best way to say that because activated charcoal will absorb a great deal of that and keep it from impacting your system. I highly recommend keeping a syringe of some sort and a spoon or something of that nature for moving liquids. The syringe is great for irrigating wounds. You, you can use it to fill small items. They're just a handy tool to have around. And we're still talking about just the stuff on your on-the-shelf kit. So, bandages. Bandages are going to be in your individual first aid kit. But, what if you run out? What if you need bigger bandages? What if you need gauze and tape? Well, those are kind of big to carry in your pockets, so they need to be in your shelf kit. Antiseptic solutions, uh, alcohol wipes or alcohol and cotton balls or um, something along those lines there's a variety of antiseptics you should educate yourself on what each one of them does for example in an open wound uh, we've always been taught to use alcohol hydrogen peroxide that sort of stuff hydrogen peroxide is damaging to living cells as well as the cells that need to be removed and to, and washed out so it's not always ideal for wounds that don't need dramatic care so take a look at what you can carry in the way of antiseptics. Burn cream is handy. We've talked about contact with chemistry and that sort of stuff. Um, let's say, and when I say chemistry, I'm just using that as a blanket term for uh, acids and bases and things that will burn you, irritate you, cause you to have reactions, that sort of stuff. I'm not referring specifically to any one thing, but, uh, you know, there are... Uh, chemical burns that need to be washed off and then there's just the heat and fire sort of burn so burn cream's going to be really handy an antibiotic ointment to help keep things clean and sanitary cotton balls swabs things of that nature uh, we've talked about um, those mentioned those earlier cold packs and hot packs something that can be used as either uh, there's a variety of things on the market where you can uh, just uh, crush one bag inside another and shake them up and they become hot or cold. And these are handy to have around in the event of a muscle injury, a joint injury, something that needs to be dealt with with temperature differences. And when we're talking about bandages, 
That means everything big to small, big pressure bandages, gauze rolls, all the way down to just more band-aids, and something in between, like pre like uh, uh, not prep pads, but the uh, the gauze pads that can be taped on and create the size of a bandage that you actually need. You also have to have tools to deal with this. So let's think about tools for a second. You're going to need some scissors and tweezers, um, safety pins. Think about uh, a needle and thread. Um, other ways to join things together. Tape, duct tape is a great tool to deal with all of this. So make sure that those are handy. American Science and Surplus has this great little field medics surgery kit that I think should be in your off-the-shelf kit. It's always in my hiking backpacks and anything like that. It's a kit that's designed to actually deal with minor surgery out in the field. It does not come with uh, surgical sutures, but you can order those in a variety of sizes and educate yourself. Learn how to give and take stitches. Uh, that's, a, that's a queasy thing to a lot of people to stick a needle in the edge of a skin and, and sew up a wound, especially if they're having to do it on themselves. But this is about preparedness and life saving. So learn how to do it. Uh, get one of those little rubber cut pads and learn to give yourself stitches or by giving the, the rubber pr uh, cut pad stitches. You can cut the skin on a banana and sew it back up. There's lots of ways to learn and practice, but it's important to know how to use the tools. Don't take tools you don't know how to use. Now, the, one of the best protectants for skin wounds of any kind is petroleum jelly. Just the good old-fashioned, fashion, man, I can't talk today, can I? Here I am giving a podcast, and I can't speak the English language. Petroleum jelly, Vaseline, something of that nature. It is a great protectant for skin because the old concept of you need to let the, the wound scab over to heal and that sort of stuff is not entirely true in most cases. The skin heals much better if it's kept moist. And if you keep it covered with petroleum jelly, that maintains that moisture and allows for much better healing with less scarring. It's, a, it's something that I did not believe when I was first told that, and I've tried it on a very serious wound that had to be put together. It did not even scar. It was amazing to me. It never had that opportunity to get ragged edges and scab up and then uh, be healing underneath it and then torn off. There was really no trauma left at all after it was done. Kind of nice. So common everyday things that uh, you might use normally. If you have contacts, you may need to keep eye drops. This should be in your everyday carry, anything that you need outside of this. But what if uh, you get something in your eye and it gets irritated? So regular eye drops for yourself and others is very important. Eye wash, you know, same sort of thing. And if you uh, wear glasses or contacts, like we said, uh, you need to keep a spare pair. If they get broken or uh somehow contaminated by something if you get some stuff in your eye and it damages your contact if you don't have a spare pair then you're just not going to see until you get that fixed safety equipment of course like disposable gloves uh, hand sanitizer things of that nature ways to actually get and keep some semblance of clean and sanitary is very important to have in your off-the-shelf kit 
we mentioned a needle and thread earlier, but they also make things like uh, this product called New Skin Liquid Bandage. It's uh, a commercial version that's kind of substitutes for, well, I've super glued up cuts before, but uh, this stuff actually seals and actually is still flexible, where super glue sometimes is not, and uh, actually helps a lot in the healing. There's another product that I highly recommend you take a look at, and that is Silox. This has been used in the military and in uh, trauma kits for quite some time. But it's a the Silox wound care kit that you can get even at Walmart, uh, amazingly enough, has a bandage that's impregnated with these granules that allow the blood to clot into a hemostatic gel. It stops bleeding really, really fast. That's the goal. Basically, it's a, it's a clotting agent that you apply yourself to the wound. And it is really phenomenal in the way that it works. And the biggest thing that you've got to worry about when you get some sort of wound that damages and compromises your skin is to stop the bleeding. And this is a great tool for that. I don't really want to focus on any brand names and advertise for anybody, but... I don't know where else you can get this in the civilian world other than Cellox. It is really worthwhile. Cellox granules, really, really, really a good way to stop bleeding. Very helpful all the way around. Okay, so now we talked about the gadgets. We got this out of the way for the gadget people. This is what you need in your first aid kit for your car or for your shelf. The most important tool you can have is knowledge. Knowledge is the way to go. I mentioned with a surgical kit, not actually taking tools that you don't know how to use. So you should take your spare time and learn. Take classes, educate yourself, research and read up. If you can take a CPR class, do it. If you can take a class with an EMT, they do those a lot for community outreaches where you can learn about basic first aid. And, you know, everybody says, well, I learned that in the Boy Scouts. Great. Well, how often have you re-upped it since you've been a Boy Scout? And what about those people who weren't Boy Scouts? Basic first aid changes with technology, too. It changes with scientific knowledge of the body. Even though that's pretty much a known entity, there are new things that come out in better ways to treat stuff. So... It's important that you stay current on all that stuff. Now, here's a list. I'm going to give you you list people something else to write down here. But here's a list of books that are really helpful if you want to learn the skill sets of helping each other. Now, I'm talking about you and your significant other and your kids and your relatives and that sort of stuff. But I'm also talking about that time that you're driving home late at night and you see the flashing lights, taillights of a car that's off in the ditch and somebody's banged up their forehead when they skidded off the road. Do you have the skills and knowledge to do basic triage, which is figuring out at this moment how bad off they are and what needs to be done? Do you know what dilated pupils mean? Do you know what uneven eye uh, blink response means? If not, educate yourself. Now, I'm not here to teach you. As I said, I'm not a doctor. However, you should learn, after this hits the fan, that you may have to be your own doctor. So here's a list of some books that are really, really handy to have in your medical library. Okay, Where There Is No Dentist 
This is by uh, Murray Dixon. This, I'm just going to give you authors here, too. You didn't think about that. What about traumatic dental care? Well, how do you pull a tooth? How do you take care of a sore tooth? How do you deal with gum bleeding? Read it. It's in there. I'm not recommending that you go out and pull each other's teeth. That's that's kind of twisted. But there may be a time that you have to, and it's not in a situation that I could call twisted there, so that's the way it is. Where There Is No Doctor is the is another book. Where There Is No Doctor. It's by David Werner. I'm sorry, I should give give credit to all the authors. There's multiple authors on this. It's by David Werner, Carol Th- uh, Thuman, and Jane Maxwell. So... There are times that you're going to have to be your own doctor, and these two books are really handy, all right? And PDR for Herbal Medicines. That's PDR for Herbal Medicines by Thompson Healthcare. Interesting stuff. Survival Medicine Handbook, A Guide for When Help is Not on the Way by Joseph and Amy Alton. Think about the title of that one there. Survival Medicine Handbook. A Guide for When Help is Not on the Way. And that's what we're talking about when prepping. You need to prepare to be your own help when help is not on the way. And finally, the U.S. Army Special Forces Medical Handbook by Glenn C. Craig, Paladin Press. All right. So, first aid. Be your own doctor. Be your own dentist. Well, let's not just look forward to that any more than we look forward to the end of civilization and catastrophic failure you know i almost said when there is no health care we live in america um there is no health care and if you don't realize that then you're obviously way too well off to be one of the folks who needs to worry about health care and god bless you for being that that uh, lucky but healthcare is way too expensive right now and way too hard to get, and people need to be aware of what they're missing out with it. And after things fall down around their ears, whether it's a tornado hitting their community, a flood, um, a natural event like an earthquake or a brush fire, we seem to be having a fair amount of those these days. It doesn't have to be, you know, apocalyptic nuclear war and the government collapsing. It can be an everyday event that happens to your town that you need to step up and be a, a conscientious member of the society around you and help out. First aid, medical care, preparedness. I hope you took notes. If not, go back and re-listen to things. I'll talk to you the next time. It's been fun having you here. I'm glad that you're here and hope to see you again soon.